Yeah, so VPN is a solution uh, where you make an encrypted tunnel. Let's say I am in <coughs> India, and I connect my computer to a VPN server in California. Now, all of the Internet traffic that I do, provided I don't do split tunnel, um, instead of coming from India, comes from the server in California. Uh, from India to California, it is encrypted traffic. In other words, you cannot read it. You can look at it, it looks like googly goo. So, um, a lot of organizations have their own VPN service. It's not horribly expensive to deploy. You just need a strong internet connection because people will now tunnel all their traffic through your connection. Uh, if your organization does not have that, uh, you can purchase. Uh, there's some good ones out there. I was going to say NordVPN, but they just got hacked. So, uh, <laughs> you know, again, just do the research into them. Um, also, if you're going to a closed country, for example, China, who is notoriously anti-VPN, you have to go to their website and read the articles because there are they try to block the VPN, and you have to find ways around their blocking to use your VPN. So don't just assume, oh, I have a VPN, I'm good to go. You may get to your country and find out your VPN doesn't work. So do some research beforehand. Uh, don't assume. Test it to make sure it works, that sort of thing. A quick follow-up question, if you don't mind. I was in a country where the VPN, it just, I couldn't get, get it to work, period. It was so slow once I got mm -hmm. on that it, I never was able to use it. But also, even if I could have, between my computer and getting it to the VPN server, was using the government's phone company's internet ISP. It's still hackable, isn't it? Well, no, because the VPN actually works from your computer. Okay. So any information that leaves your computer is now it's encrypted. It, it's within a tunnel. So it's it's within a tunnel. Think of it, I guess, as uh, as letters in an envelope. Okay. So if you put your letter inside an envelope, and then that envelope I encrypt, I can then put in the mail server, uh, UPS or whoever, and it doesn't matter because it's in an envelope that's encrypted. So I can trust UPS to deliver my letter because they can't read it. That's basically what the VPN tunnel does. It's a bunch of goobly goo that only me and that other server can read. So at the end of this, when we put the email up, please sign up. We will send. So what we'll do is we formulate the, the PDF. It takes us a few days to do that. Um, and that will have a ton of information. And in that as well, we like to go back and make sure that we're reviewing it. If any of that sort of thing happens, um, then we'll put that in there. I still uh, hey, use, don't use this uh, one. VPN, by the way. They, yeah. apparently they probably fixed it. It's contained, and it was uh, just one server and all that. But, again, just research and don't just assume they're, they're okay yeah. right now. But when, it, when a bank gets hacked and they get into the database and they collect user information, you know, that's a totally different problem than when they crack the encryption on something and the company updates all their software and the encryption overnight is then much better. So those sorts of things can get patched pretty fast. It's, we'll, get, we'll get into this as, towards the very, very end here, uh, which we're about to jump into, is that at some point you have to understand that the technology can't save you from everything. There's also a lot that you have to change in the way you behave. And that's the way it always used to be in missions, right? And we really need to remember that the technology didn't save us from that we need to go back to some of those old ways of keeping that stuff confidential, making sure that the, the footprint that we're putting out there for ourselves 
does not scream, I'm in your country, I'm teaching the gospel, and you're looking for me, you know? So. No, um, and and also, so does everybody in here know that texts are absolutely not secure? You know, texts, texts. like SMS, like not messages through an iPhone, but like like a text you send, old-fashioned, or that still goes out between SMS, right? Apple and, and Android users. Those all are being read by the carrier or can be accessed at any time by any of the carrier employees. They're not they're not secure. So just be aware of that. Um, so if you send a text to somebody. It's not secure. Yeah. In this country, cellular is safer than public Wi-Fi. Okay. Uh, but anywhere else in the world, uh, especially hostile countries, I, I don't trust cellular any more than I do uh, the public Wi-Fi. Um, any of these private VPN companies that you buy a subscription for, they usually give you license for five devices. So literally my phone, my tablet, my computer, my children's computers, if I go somewhere, they all have VPN, and we don't get on the Internet without the VPN. <laughs> I usually use Wi-Fi. I'm fine with that, with the VPN on. Like, <clears throat> and at, at that point, too, if you're connected to so a lot of times people will see, you know, this is an open network, and they think, okay, well, now everybody can watch everything that I'm doing. Yes, that's true in a sense. But if you go to a coffee shop or something that has a secured network, they make you do some sort of login, but you have to trust the certificate they're using for their guest portal because they're not going to pay for one because it's free public Wi-Fi. Understand that, yeah, that's encrypted between you and them, but at the same time you're trusting that certificate that they created. Who knows what else they're doing with that? In the U.S., probably not a lot. In other countries, probably a lot. So... Anytime you have to trust an unsecured certificate because it was self-signed, be very wary of that in other countries How especially. Do you know if it's self-signed? It'll tell you. Okay. It te- your system, whatever you're using, will tell you right away. Okay. Yep. Almost everything will, will uh, pop up and say, hey, this, this is not signed by a valid. It's basically the equivalent of me pulling out my driver's license that is issued by... Kentucky? Those are all Schmigersky? Yes. Right. Or, you know, it's you know, a post-it note that I said, hey, my name is Hezekiah Bond. You know, that, that's what a self-signed certificate does. But, yeah, if you're out of the country um, and using any type of Internet, invest in a VPN service. Uh, even if you're just, like, surfing for cat videos, I don't care. Like, if I'm out of the country, I'm using VPN. I mean, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. You can purchase, it's just a subscription, and then they have a little program that you install. They have it for phones, they have it for computer. Uh, so and you they buy come the with tech support, and so you're not flying blind. Like, if you, if you have any problems getting it to work, you call a number. They help you get it working, so it's those kinds of things. It, it's usually sold by the month or by the year, whatever, and then you get, like, five or six devices, whatever. So. Is it for organizations? There are. Like yeah. I said, a lot of organizations have their own. So here at, at Southeast, we have our own VPN that runs through our own firewall because we are large enough we actually need it. So depending on the organization, if it's something you need, you may want to invest 
uh, in the infrastructure. At the end of the day, it may be cheaper to have your own uh, VPN if you have the technical people to manage it. However, we would not encourage our staff to use our VPN in a closed country. The reason is our DNS name for our VPN service and the IP addresses both are registered to our church. They know. So if you're using that, well, you're, you're telling them I'm connecting church. to a church. I'm doing stuff with the church. So it's not always best to use if your you're organization. There as a dentist, but you're connecting to Southeast Christian Church VPN. Like, okay, what kind of dentist are you? Right. They'll, they'll put two, two together. Yeah. So be aware of those things. It really matters. You know, if your if your organization has VPN, don't just say, "Hey, I, I heard that we have VPN and you know already set up. Can I get that set up? Because I'm getting ready to go to China." You know, maybe not. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to move along here. We can always come back to the. A lot of our answers have a. It depends on it. So yeah, I mean, it's a case by case. And which is why we get into the next part is to know your pressure points. Um, so, we are big on training. Um, if you are going someplace that's dangerous, you can't just go into it blindly, right? How many people in the room are practicing medicine full-time? Okay. All right. Somebody walked in, said, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this procedure. And you said, how much training have you had? And they said, uh, I watched a YouTube I video. watched a YouTube video. Yeah. How many of you would let them practice? And my son's doing I see no hands going up. My son's learning how to do suturing, so I guess yeah. it's good to do uh, close-up after surgery. But yeah, it's, so. it's common sense, right? But we there's so many people that get into this idea of, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this and I'm pretty tech savvy and I'll be fine. Don't. I, we're full-time IT professionals. If we were going to do that, we would do training. I mean, Southeast offers training. Uh, we do research wherever we go. You know, we, we try to see because every place is different and uh, technology varies and, um, you know, so we don't, we don't just go, oh yeah, we, we can handle it. We know what we're doing. We do the research. Uh, sometimes we leave devices behind. Sometimes we take, you know, other devices. So just if you don't know if you're going, if your sending organization is not providing this training, ask them for it. Uh, and if not, um, seek out. We'll have some resources of some organizations that do some some training and things like that. But this, if this is something that you're exposed to on a frequent basis, you know, get the training so that you're able to handle these risk factors. So our devices are a noisy teenager. So what I mean by that is they are often out there saying all kinds of things that we as the parents don't want them to tell about our house and what goes on in our house and all those kinds of things. So know that about your device. And that's not always, that's not a terrible thing. It may, it's not necessarily going to compromise you, but just know that you, a lot of times we think of it in terms of my face-to-face interaction with Alan is very open and observable and people are going to tell a lot more from that than my device sitting in my pocket, which I'm not messing with and I'm not doing anything with. Maybe. Your devices do a lot of stuff in the background you don't even know. Every DNS name that your device looks up when it's connected to the cellular network or the Internet, you know, it's, it's doing that lookup. That information is happening in the background. Those DNS requests are open, and, and they're not secure at all. So if it's a website that's going to compromise you in some way, that's already happened, right? So there are times that you can use that to your advantage, though. So the intentional mislead. This is a concept of 
you take your device, you know your device is going to be telling some things about you to the government or whoever that is monitoring this stuff. So there are times you would turn all of your connectivity off and make sure that it stays off, your location, internet usage, everything. And there's times you would turn it on and intentionally use it for certain things. You're creating a digital footprint that then somebody observing is going to get an idea of you're in the country to be a teacher. Hey, they're in the country looking up teaching websites. They're in the country talking to teaching organizations. You know, those kinds of things. They sent some emails where they're asking about some school resources. Okay? Leave a footprint for yourself that you want to be the footprint. Like I came in and, you know, was speaking in that accent. You know, it's just build up. If You know, you have to have a cover story. You know, when I was living in China, my cover story was I was an English teacher. So guess what? I taught English. Guess what? I looked up online English lessons and icebreaker games to play with my students and things like that. So... The digital footprint that I had collaborated with my paperwork that I was an English teacher. I wasn't looking up VBS lessons. I wasn't looking up, you know, <laughs> Bible verses in Chinese, you know. How do you do that research, though, if you want to? So you would yep. sometimes do things off of VPN for other people to see and leave a trail, and then other times you would cover it. So... It starts getting a little bit more complicated, and you have to be uh, thorough, and you have to plan it out, because if you're doing, you know, if you click on the VPN when you shouldn't, and then you don't have it on when you should, you can kind of burn yourself. So if you're going to go into the misleading thing, make sure you have that well thought out and planned, and you're not just like, you know. The government of China is the, probably the biggest player in the market of trying to determine what people are doing in their country is not, they don't have the resources, even as many people as they have on this, to absolutely filter carefully through everybody's interactions on the web. They're looking for enough flags that you become a target. Target words. Like yeah. yeah. The yeah. things that are going to make you a target is, is what it looks like you're generally doing. Those little one-offs, you're going to have to hit a, a certain number of those before they even consider you worth looking at. But there's a couple of things that will catch their attention. Somebody with surprisingly little activity. So they know you came into the country, and yet they can't find any information on you at all, ever interacting with... If they see you taking a bunch of selfies, but yet there's no social media activity from your device where you're posting said selfies, then they're going to wonder, like, what's going on? Or if they see that you're constantly using VPN for everything that you do, they're probably going to take a closer look at you. So just be aware of that. If you can leave a digital footprint that will satisfy them that this is not worth looking at, let's just move on. You try not to attract attention to yourself. Right. Right. Or if you attract attention, attract the attention that you want to. Like, right. yeah, I'm a tourist. I'm just, I'm just an innocent, you know, dumb white person. Uh, yes. There should be. Shouldn't that be a mandatory for It should be. Yeah. So usually with, with uh, this church, with Southeast Christian Church, depending on what mission trip, depending where you go. Yeah. Um, they, they should have this training. Again, you know, if you're going to Sweden, take your selfies, post your Instagram. Nobody cares. It's Sweden. But if you're going uh, to, like, Cuba, my son went to Cuba, he, there was no 
social media uh, postings from him while he was in Cuba. And I just knew, like, I didn't get an email, I didn't get a text, I didn't get anything from him while he was in Cuba. So it depends on the trip, it depends on the trip leaders. Southeast is usually good about those things. If your organization doesn't have any type of policy, probably talk to them about creating a policy. It depends on the country, too, because um, uh, certain countries are considered close for different reasons, right? So really that's kind of the thing is... We, why we say we encourage do some training because if you if you link up with a training organization, they're going to target it for the area that you're going, and they're going to really make it specific to that, which is what's most important. Um, part of the reason the training is so critical is because um, you know does everybody here know that if you lie, it takes a lot more effort for your brain to lie than it does to tell the truth, right? So they're going to train you and how to have the correct responses. So you're not lying, but you're not divulging the information that's going to put yourself or anybody else at risk. Thank you. There's a question. This might not be the right time, but at some point I'd like to ask you your opinion about what I'm reading, that China may not be right there right now, but I understand they're ahead of the United States on 5G, which, according to my understanding, is going to support artificial intelligence, which would take them to another level where they can assign computers, from my understanding, to do the work of many people, and they would be able to monitor much better. I, I just would like to get your opinion mm-hmm. on that. So. China is way ahead in the, in the Big Brother game, facial recognition, uh, location. Uh, they're moving towards a total cashless society where everything is done via mobile payment. So every restaurant where you eat, yeah, every cab ride you take, there is a record. So guess what? If all of us are meeting once a week at the same restaurant, it's going to raise a flag. So, uh, yeah, China is way ahead of that. And if you're in a place like that, uh, you got to have a technical organization that works with you, keeps you apprised of what things are changing, what you can do, what you can't do. And uh, Sometimes your cell phone's listening to you when you don't even know it. Yeah, yes. depends on – yeah, so anybody know the most recent update from, from Apple actually closed that loophole because – so there was an article that came out, Facebook – and a few others were basically mad because Apple was taking away their access to use your microphone when you weren't aware of it. But it was coming out as, well, they're blocking VoIP services from all our companies and our apps won't work anymore. Well, it's because you're doing something they told you you shouldn't do. So they blocked that in the software now. It's impossible for those organizations to do that. And so, hence the angry articles. <laughs> you know, so when I was growing up in Romania, we knew that every telephone and every Christian's home was bugged. So we were very careful what we said. At some point, it's going to be to where you are aware that anywhere there is an electronic device, there is a bug. So watch what you say, what you do. So it wasn't paranoia when we we'd all meet and put, take the battery out of our phones and put them in another room? No. Or get a fair day back? Yeah. Or leave them in a separate room? Yeah. No, I like If you can take the battery out, take the battery out. Right. Absolutely. And, and again, if you're doing short-term missions... You know, buy a device that that is not complicated that you can do some basic communication. Don't take smartphones with you on short-term missions. SIM? Yeah, so if I take this phone, you know, when I go to Romania, I take the Verizon SIM out and I put the Romanian SIM in and I have access to their network. All my information is still on my phone. All my contacts... 
all my web surfing, all my pictures, it's all there. Still your data. Yeah, if I get a new phone, it's like buying something off the shelf. It's anonymous. There's nothing on there. Like it's not tied to me. Think of that in terms of like if you've ever if you've been around long enough that you would buy like a USB wireless device because you had a computer that didn't have wireless and you'd plug that into your computer and you'd have Wi-Fi on your computer. Well, you know, if you if that died for some reason, you'd go buy another one. That's kind of what a SIM is doing. It's it's just another way to access the network, but it's not making your phone a different phone, right? It's just giving it a different ID to that network, but there's still also stuff that is internal to the phone that is also has to be exchanged with the carrier as well. So, so then how do you selectively take like, some of the contacts that you need from your original phone? That's what long flights are for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> or, or that's when you do separate like Gmail accounts or something, and you keep a well, separate contact list, and then you log in the phone to that Gmail account, and this is your travel list. And then when you get back home, you log into your normal one, and that's your regular list. So. One of the ways you could handle something like that would be to use some type of a cloud service. Okay. So instead, a, a cloud service, you know, something that you know, like iCloud or Gmail, Gmail or something that is hosted in a cloud way, where it's not localized on your device. So it's a pain because every time you want to access that data, you have to just open a browser and log into that stuff using cognito browsing, which is even more of a pain because it's not going to save your password and everything every time you get in there. But it's then only in the cloud, and the record of you visiting it, it they will have a record, you visit, uh, record uh, that you visited Gmail or whatever, you know, if they're tracking your movements, but they may or may not be looking at that when they confiscate your devices and they're trying to get information from you. So, And if you're not logged in all the time on that, like you could have your traveling Gmail account and your home Gmail account. So guess what? If I get arrested and they make me log into Gmail, I'm going to log in with my traveling Gmail account, which has like my mom, my wife, and my dog sitter or whatever. You know, good luck. I mean, like what are you going to do? You know, but the, the thing to remember, though, is if you've ever pulled it up in the cloud and tapped on the number and had it dial the number, now that's in your call history. Okay, well, there's not anything. They're going to ask you, what's this number? So you really have to think about what do I really need going into this country? Do I really need to have a whole bunch of people I can reach out to in an emergency? Or do I need a handful of people that it's okay if I call them, it's not going to be suspicious, and they can communicate all the information for me? If I want people to post information about what I'm doing, somebody knows I can share that with them in a way that's not compromising. You know, in missions, you, a lot of times we'll develop codes for certain words and things like that that it doesn't get flagged. So you're, you're communicating something in a way that's not compromising, and then that person can basically fill in the blanks and post it for you. Plan out the scenarios before they happen so you know how you handle each situation. You know, it's just like... Y'all in the medical field, you have procedures. If this happens, da, 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 da. this is the whole list of things you do. Think them out the same way. You know, if I get hacked, if I get arrested, okay, this is what they're going to get. Okay, what am I not okay with them getting? So make plans for, for the different things. Did you have a question? I think I'm just trying to make sure I understand. I go out of the country. If I take my smartphone and I have it on airplane mode and no Wi-Fi, they would have to take it and take the information off of it. With me, turn it off at the airport before I fly, and then turn it back on when I get back to the states. Short of that, and then not taking it, 
how to use a local phone. Yeah. It's all about turning on the printer or something. I can use my smartphone for data that is on the phone already. Right. Yeah, and the services typically you're looking up that through are encrypted. So VPN encrypts everything you're doing, but most services are also encrypted as well. So the websites, you go to a website and log in, that's encrypted. You're, they can't, they're not sitting there looking at your login information. Now, if you've gone to a website in China and it says, you know, hey, this certificate looks invalid, and you trust it, and then it takes you on, because that's what they do. It's called a man-in-the-middle attack. They put themselves between you the government does that. They put themselves between you and the website you're going to. Well, then everything that you're doing through that encrypted connection, they're reading it as it comes through. So just be aware of those things. That's where the VPN is help. There is also, though, in the VPN, a statement that says, make sure the certificate I'm using is valid. Well, if you try to connect to your server and they present a certificate on behalf of your VPN server, they're also reading your VPN tunnel. So just know that there's certain places it's just not. You should just try to find other ways. Only for critical things. Have another way to get those messages through that doesn't compromise you, to people who won't compromise you, things like that. <coughs> and so, and one thing here, so uh, using two-factor authentication. So a lot of times we think of that in terms of that's great to make sure if somebody steals my device and they crack my passcode, or, or whatever, that I've still got to prove it somehow. Or maybe I chose too simple the password. Please don't use Bible verses. And your method was a little different. But, or it was your method, right? No, it was his. It was, yeah. He's, he uses yeah. the first letter of John 3.16. But using Bible verses? <laughs> Hypothetically. It's like, yeah. It's just, that's the first thing that, if they know that you're possibly Christian, it's the first thing they're going to look for. Um, it's not subject to a dictionary attack. Right. Yeah, it, the, the pattern is known only to you. I mean, it could be the third letter of every word. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a random thing that hopefully you remember. Memorize other verses in John 3.16. Yeah. Um, but so the two-factor authentication, what you can do with that, creative way you could use that, is you might not put yourself as the second factor. You might put someone else who is in the States or someplace else, not, you know, safe, who is the second factor. And you might say to them, hey, if you see me try to log in and it sends you the alert, I'm going to warn you ahead of time that I'm going to do that. And if I didn't warn you ahead of time, assume it's not me. Okay? So there's two things that you're doing with that. One, if somebody's having you try to log in and it's sending the two-factor and it's not popping up on any of your devices and they're going, hey, this isn't working. I don't know. I don't understand what's going on. Okay? And then your friends over there going, hey, we got a problem. Time to take action. Time to start severing any possible ties that could be damaging to the organization or any missionaries in the country you're in. So, so you've got, you know, the, the two main things you've got to worry about is, uh, you know, the just looking to compromise you, the hacking and things like that. The second thing is if you're actually arrested or captured and then you're being forced to give up the information. So, again, have a plan. Get some training. Uh, know, know what you're going to do. Um, uh, know who, uh, what information you have that compromises your organization or who else you can compromise or things like that. So, um, you know, just... And we'll send the, the slides. If you email us, the next screen is going to have the email list. If you email us, we'll send you all of these slides so you can look at them. And if you want to ask questions, things like that. So, 
So this organization right here, Living Stones Group, so we actually just recently found out. So I don't, we, I'm still, I'm, I'm actually going to be reaching out and trying to talk with their, the, uh, the guy that founded their company. But they do IT for faith-based organizations that work globally. So, so I would write that one down and, and take a look at that. We'll try to, if you sign up for the email, we'll send some more information that we find out about what they do in the scenarios where they might be able to help out. I'd be more than happy if you have a specific situation and say, hey, would this organization be able to benefit from what you all do? That's the email address. Um, that's for us. If you have any questions, if you want the slides, we'll send them to you. Uh, again, I guess the, the takeaways, don't trust anything. And uh, get, get training. Have a plan. Have a procedure in place. Uh, be aware you know, what information you're carrying with you. You know, do you have the contact list of everyone that's employed by your organization? You know, do you have, you know, what do you have that's valuable? And who is Secret National Partners? Yeah. 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 I think more than anything, we, we do this really a lot of times when we're thinking about it, is we're, we're always, you know, adjusting and aware of how we present ourselves to others when we're talking to them and trying to make sure that you know, in, in business work, we're sensitive to their culture, we're sensitive to all these different things. So have that level of intention when you're communicating on your electronic devices. And continual training, because things change, yeah. you know, from, from week to week, day to day. It comes to our class every year. There's new information every time. Yeah. So. Next time has a class speaking with an accent. <laughs> <laughs> As you work toward going to areas of risk that you haven't been there yet, uh, I'm sure that we all have material that is sensitive. Is it possible if you have a lead time that you can go ahead and learn from these guys how to start cleaning up what's out there on the web? Uh, I know a lot of them. I know they say that anything that you put out there, like on Facebook, is going to be there forever. People are paid to go and find pictures of you drunk uh, when you're a teenager, when you're going for a job interview. That sort of thing, but uh, can you clean things up ahead of time? Uh, to, some to some degree. To some degree. Yeah. So, again, with the two-factor authentication trick, might be a good way. So, if somebody knows to get in there and start, to, the Chinese government is not going to be able to get into your email server and, and service and ask them to retrieve emails you delete and wipe from the system. So, if your friend knows something's going on. And they get into your email account because they'll have your password too. You've got to trust them enough to do that. They can log in. They've got the two-factor notification. They go on in. They go ahead and they scrub all that stuff. Within an hour, they send the text back to you that says, you know, verification code. Something generic that they just kind of glance at. Oh, oh, here's the code. They plug it in. They start looking through your email. Well, this looks okay. Now, that may not always work. But, again, when you're in these situations, there's a worst-case scenario. Anything you can do to help. Yeah, definitely do the cleanup. Definitely lock things to be private and things like that. Definitely delete. But just be aware, if it was on the Internet at some point, somebody might have it. So be ready to have an explanation for it. it Yeah, definitely do the cleanup. Definitely be aware. But just also be prepared with an explanation. So if we can't come to a training every year or things like that, is there a blog or newsletter or a podcast that you would recommend to 
keep a prize on cool things that are coming out? Do you know that? Yep, we're going to send that out. So what I do is the people who signed up for the previous year, I would send the new one. Um, and I'm actually, we're going to try to update it more frequently. Um, put little uh, notices together for things that change with maybe a service. So a good example is uh, we, we actually, last year, we announced that, hey, I know a lot of people use WhatsApp. Yeah, so we should probably not use WhatsApp. So Facebook bought WhatsApp. And then what a lot of people didn't realize is Facebook went along and said, well, we're going to share all your WhatsApp information to Facebook unless you opt out. Well, guess what most people didn't do? They didn't opt out. Now, you may have, but all the people that have your WhatsApp on theirs didn't opt out. So now they've got, that's all shared to Facebook. Suddenly, you've got people popping up on your Facebook that you may, you know, a lot of times we don't give them our Facebook account because if they became friends with it, it might be detrimental to them. And suddenly, you're popping up on their feed and Facebook, and they're oh, that's their Facebook account. And you, they start liking that, you know, accepting you as a friend and all this stuff. It's like, um, it works so hard to keep those things separate and private and careful. And, if, and, and what's that? It's been hacked. Yeah. And if you're going to be uh, in a country long term and things like that, make sure your organization has some type of ongoing training. Make sure you have a technical support person that can do regular checkups and things like that. Um, you know, even if you don't go anywhere, you know, you take your car for tune-up, you go to your doctor for checkup, you know, check your devices, you know, antivirus uh, scans, things like that. Uh, find uh, somebody in your church or something like that that is a technical person and say, hey, here's how you can partner with me. You know, it's not just about supporting me financially, but do you want to support me technologically and help walk me through some of these things? Find somebody that either you or your organization trusts that can be an ongoing source of support. It's really hard for us to try to squeeze, and our time is up, you know, so much information, um, you know, because almost everything is, it depends. It depends on you, where you're going. And, and so, yeah, have somebody that you can trust that will be there to support you ongoing. Quick show of hands. Does anybody feel like this should be like a two-hour hands-on course? Yeah. Like one of the free ones. Okay. Or at least with all the information to take in, to know what it is to help. Yeah. To help. Well, if we could make it two hours, we've, we've discussed whether that would give us an opportunity to. So the Q&A, we did all kind of along as we went, but we really kind of wanted to put some up there and have everybody kind of vote on some stuff. Um, but it would give us more time to do some of that. And also, if you all have individual situations, you just are like, hey, I really need some more personal attention on this. I think it should be a three-day conference, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those organizations that do the training, they, they do things like that. Yeah. So they do like hostage scenarios. They also do technology training. So, yeah, it, depending on where you're going, you know, to yeah. take the time to do that. But the VPN, does that mean any Internet traffic leaving, like your phone? Is it just browser? Or what if I click on my Chase Bank app? It depends. So Which, by the way, the time's up, so if you guys want to head on out, that's fine. If you have questions and you want to stick around and ask questions, that's fine. We'll so go around. From here, I'm headed back down to where